You are listening to Redefining Disability, an adaptive sports podcast brought to you by Move United. I am your host, Sean Butcher, and I have the privilege of serving as the editor of Move United Magazine, the nation's leading adaptive sports publication. Each week, tune in to hear how sports have made it possible for our nation's adaptive athletes, training tips from the best coaches and program leaders, and news on the latest technology, equipment, and trends in the industry. Ryan Von Herbulis spent nearly 17 years leading special operations units with the U.S. Marine Corps, including a number of combat deployments. So nature, and being outdoors, has always been therapeutic for him. As the Director of Operations for Higher Ground, a Move United member organization based in Idaho, Brian, or Von as he is known as, helps provide outdoor recreation and adventures for other veterans. So we discuss this, and particularly the sport of ice climbing, with him. So I know uh, uh, your first name is Brian, but you go by Vaughn. So I'll call you Vaughn, and that way uh, folks uh, are curious as to as to why or how, then uh, then they know ahead of time. But um, Vaughn, tell me a little bit before we we dive into the the particular subject matter that I want to talk to you about. Uh, tell me just a little bit about yourself and how you got into into adaptive sports, uh, particularly. Yeah, sure, Sean. Um, so my name is Brian Von Herbulus. Um, so that's why everybody calls me Vaughn. It's just easier to, to use that uh, condensed version of my last name. And, and I've been going by Vaughn for a long time. Um, so been married 23 years, got two wonderful kids that are uh, rapidly uh, moving on. Uh, I got a 20 year old daughter mm. and a 16 year old son. Um, and I uh, spent a career's worth of time in the Marine Corps. Um, so uh, a lot of combat deployments, um, retired officially from the Marine Corps in 2014. Uh, so a lot of my time in the Corps was during the active years uh, of the global war on terrorism, both Iraq, Afghanistan, and other places around the globe. Uh, deployed multiple times to combat, uh, led Marine Special Operations Units during that time, and uh Closed out my career as the commanding officer of 1st Recon Battalion at Camp Pendleton, California. Um, and after about a year in retirement, um, I decided to pack my family up, uh, move to Idaho, uh, and enjoy the great state of Idaho and all that it has to offer from an outdoor recreational perspective. Um, I had recognized years before that um, in between combat deployments, how much I utilize recreation in the outdoors to just cope with uh, all that transpires in combat. Um, you know, the loss of service members that uh, were in my units, um, contending with loss that their family members were dealing with. Uh, I found an outlet in the outdoors, um, and it just became a, a very powerful endeavor for me to go spend time, go recalibrate, reset, uh, and burn some energy. Mm -hmm. Um, and it just, it created, uh, everything I needed it to at that time. And I've just continued to expand upon that and still utilize recreation as a, as a means for me to spend time in solitude or bring others along to show them the benefits. Uh, and, you know, with all of that, um, I got involved in the nonprofit space and have been involved in nonprofits since retiring from the military. Um, and again, have 
harnessed what I learned about recreation for myself and for those that uh, were struggling in some way, uh, how to bring that to the masses in the work that I do currently with Higher Ground. Yeah, I was going to mention, obviously, specifically Higher Ground because it's a Move United member organization and you do you do fantastic work. Uh, how did you connect with Higher Ground specifically? Uh, when I first got to Idaho, I started doing some contract work for the J.A. and Catherine Albertson's Family Foundation. They were starting a new initiative um, where they wanted to provide support and services to military veterans that chose Idaho as their place to live after active military service. Hmm. Uh, so after about four and a half years of helping them launch this, this project that they called Mission 43, uh, I decided it was time for me to move into some new endeavors. Uh, I was contemplating starting my own nonprofit and uh, and had worked in parallel and alongside Higher Ground on a few things. And they reached out to me and asked if I would come talk with them. And, and on my way to Montana to go fly fishing, uh, I stopped in Sun Valley, Idaho at the headquarters of Higher Ground. And, and over the course of you know several weeks, we had some great discussions. And ultimately, uh, a few months later, I came on board initially as their director of strategy and have subsequently moved into the director of operations role there. And so are you in, in Sun Valley now? Uh, I'm actually in my home in Eagle, Idaho, which is about three hours from Sun Valley. Okay. Um, but I was in Sun Valley last week. Uh, I do go to Sun Valley uh, at least once a month, spend several days with the team there. You know, I, I try to stack my meetings um, and, and get as much into two or three days as I can when I'm in town. And, uh, and the rest of it I do remotely, which uh, which has some pros and, and some challenges, but uh, but it's worked for nearly three years now. So, Yeah, well, I, I can attest to how beautiful Sun Valley is. So I imagine uh, your, your area is probably pretty equivalent too, but I know that Sun Valley is just a, a wonderful place to spend spend some time outdoors. Yeah, it sure is. I mean, it, it is one of those, you know, just outdoor-centric environments, um, you know, Basically, every recreational activity is there in the valley or within a, a short drive away. Uh, and it's, you know, it's just a gorgeous mountain town, gorgeous mountain valley with access to all kinds of activities and beautiful scenery. And so for those that aren't familiar with what Higher Ground does and what Higher Ground is, maybe you mentioned a little bit about uh, what the organization uh, does and um, and how you serve, you know, veterans, obviously, specifically. Uh, and um, and then we'll talk about, you know, some of the programs and sports that, that you offer through Higher Ground. Great. Yeah. So Higher Ground was originally started as Sun Valley Adaptive Sports back in 1999. Uh, and after several years of, of building out programs there locally, uh, in 2005, the organization made the decision to create programming specifically for military veterans that had been wounded in combat. So that program was called Higher Ground. Uh, and over time, we started to build momentum and serve more military service members who had been injured in combat and their families or supporters, um, bringing them mostly to, to Sun Valley uh, and conducting recreational activities, so therapeutic recreation. Um, and that just kept building momentum. And so in 2012, the organization rebranded as Higher Ground. 
so from 2005 until now, we've been conducting therapeutic recreation programs for military veterans, um, as well as supporters uh, of those military veterans. So we've, we've got a pretty lengthy history in this therapeutic recreation space. And what do you find, Vaughn, as the kind of more popular programs or more regular programs that you that you offer throughout the year? Uh, our winter programs are extremely popular. You know, we bring people primarily to Sun Valley, Idaho for those. I mean, we have such strong support in that local community. And all, we have a you know tremendous network of volunteers, well over 100 people that support our, our programming there. Uh, that takes place in Sun Valley. So we also have a tremendous partnership with the Sun Valley Company. Um, they they give us access to the mountain. Uh, they enable us to coordinate, plan, execute extremely well, really seamlessly integrate in alongside of their staff in the use of the mountain, um, and, and as well as providing lodging and uh, a whole host of other support from the Sun Valley Company. So Really strong partnership there. So our winter programs are, are strong, great. We've been doing those for a long time. Um, but I'd say some of our, our really popular summer programs uh, are our rafting, kayaking. You know, the state of Idaho has more natural waterway than any other state except for Alaska. Uh, so we spend a lot of time on the rivers. Uh, we also have great fly fishing in Idaho. So those are very popular programs. Uh, but we've also expanded our reach. Uh, we're doing bass fishing programs in Texas with veterans. Uh, we are doing a fishing program in Alaska now. Um, so, so we've really expanded. We even do a scuba diving program in Catalina, California. Um, so a wide array of recreational therapy uh, activities are, are offered by Higher Ground. And then to kind of hone in on what I wanted to spend a little bit more time on, is of course one of the winter programs that you offer, and that's uh, some ice climbing. Uh, talk a little bit about uh, how Higher Ground started and uh, the you know some ice climbing programs and activities. When I first came on board uh, in 2020, um, you know, so in COVID, um, we were still operating, and um, the first program I went to was an ice climbing program in the Adirondacks of New York, you know, so upstate New York. Um, and I was very intrigued by this, you know, who is, who's voluntarily signing up to do this very difficult sport uh, in really tough, cold conditions, you know, things that I always embraced about my time in the military and in special operations, but it takes a certain type of individual to want to, to put themselves in those types of conditions and face the challenges of something technical like ice climbing. So I was very intrigued by it. We had a staff member at the time who had a past uh, career uh, climbing. Um, so he, he had spent a lot of time in the outdoor space, but primarily geared towards mountaineering climbing. So it was an interest of his uh, and he forged a partnership with an organization called Paradox Sports mm -hmm. uh, and Paradox Sports and Higher Ground partnered up to start conducting these ice climbing programs, first in New York. And then after my experience there, I decided to expand it uh, and bring some ice climbing out towards the western part of the United States. 
Uh, so we've started climbing in Montana in the Highlight Canyon, which has some of the best ice in North America. Uh, and we're actually considering uh, expanding our ice climbing offerings into Colorado, uh, which is the headquarters for Paradox Sports. And so do you, uh, obviously, probably most of those programs are, you know, either a certain periods of time, like a, a weekend long trips or a few day trips. How often does Higher Ground currently offer ice climbing? Right now, we're offering ice climbing twice a year. Uh, both of those happen uh, right around the month of February, uh, when we know temperatures will be really cold in the in the places we've chosen, so that the ice is good and solid, and we've got the best opportunity for uh, the best climbing conditions. Um, so that's that's the current offering is twice a year, once on the East Coast, and then once in Montana. Uh, and like I mentioned, you know, we, we are looking to potentially expand that into Colorado as well. Um, but the the span of our programming, um, our veteran programming, we call it week long, but it's, it's really four days of intense activity and programming and two days of travel. So it's a six day commitment if you want to come on what we dub our week long therapeutic recreation programs. Hmm. And I know earlier you mentioned that it was a very, it's a very technical sport, very technical activity. Um, what, what do you mean by that? There's a lot of equipment involved. Um, you know, I mean, you are strapping crampons on your feet. Uh, there are rope lanes that need to be set up. You're using ice axes. So your hands and your feet have tools associated them. So your mobility is based on your ability to be comfortable using the tools provided for the sport. You know, so in order to vertically move up a wall of ice, uh, you have got to learn the techniques and trust in the equipment in order to move up, as well as trust in the others who are there supporting you. You know, climbing, you have someone typically on belay, so somebody there to support you with the rope in the event that, you know, you slip on the ice or, you know, a tool, uh, one of your ice axes doesn't sink in properly, you may slip and they they have the ability to anchor you down to allow you to get stable again and start to build your momentum up again once you become stable. So it's extremely technical. Um, you know, the pitch of ice, the condition of ice all have to be taken into consideration uh, there are different ledges. Again, it's like rock climbing where there are different pitches uh, of complexity and um, all of that is factored in. You know, we tend to start with people that have never, uh, ever attempted ice climbing before. Uh, it's something very novel to them. Many of them are rightfully afraid of the sport, but that's why they're there is to challenge themselves, to push themselves uh, and it's also really interesting metaphorically. Um, you know, you have a wall, a physical barrier mm. in front of you, and that can become very symbolic to life. Mm -hmm. You know, as humans, we have these walls, these barriers in front of us oftentimes. Um, and that may be trauma. You know, a lot of our programs are rooted in trauma informed care, uh, and trauma in, in and of itself can become a barrier. Uh, for, for people to move forward in positive ways in life. So if you think about 
putting someone in front of their barrier, facing their barrier, but with a peer support network and tools to help them overcome these barriers, it is very much symbolic of what we are offering throughout all of our programming. And we are offering you tools, peer support network, we're offering encouragement along the way. Um, and we see people process this potential barrier. Uh, they take short steps, right? You can't take big steps climbing ice. You have to trust the tools you've been given. You have to trust the people that are there supporting you and make slow, steady progress to overcome your fear, overcome the obstacle, and gain a level of confidence in your ability to keep moving forward in positive ways. And is there, obviously, other than than the ice itself, is there any significant differences between, like, I mean, most people probably know rock climbing, like you mentioned, a climbing wall. Um, is there a big difference between rock climbing and ice climbing? I, I think there's a, a tremendous difference. You know, again, you have tools on all four feet. You know, when you're rock climbing, typically wear climbing shoes, you know, that have a sole to them that allows for the best grip. When you're ice climbing, you have crampons on your big, clunky, you know, warm boots, right? I mean, we're talking temperatures sometimes negative 20, negative 30 degrees, you know, especially in, in like the Highlight Canyon of Montana. The, the few times I've been there climbing, it has been negative 20 or colder. Um, so you have gloves on, you have bulky clothing on to keep you warm. Um, and you have these heavy, you know, not really heavy, but you have ice axes in your hands that have to work with your feet that have these spiked crampons on heavy boots. So it's awkward just, just, considering the mobility limitation factors of, of spiked crampons, ice axes, and how they have to work in sync in order to enable you to scale the wall, which is different than grabbing with a hand and hold and using the, the, the soles of your shoes rock climbing. Uh, it's, it's just nuanced differently. Absolutely. And how about people, how about, uh, adaptations in the sport. So like if um, obviously in the adaptive sports space, we have individuals who have spinal cord injuries and amputations, of upper arm or lower or upper limb or lower limb. How um, is the sport of ice climbing adapted to various disabilities? Uh, that's where partnerships with organizations like Paradox Sports have really helped. I mean, they have really gotten scientific about how to help people um, with different limitations uh, or perceived limitations. And Paradox Sports demonstrates to them that through different rope techniques or adaptations of rope systems, we can enable them to continue to climb. Um, I've also seen phenomenal um, prosthetic devices. Mm -hmm. You know, I have been climbing with a Marine uh, explosive ordnance technician who was a triple amputee and had limited use of his other arm. And he was ice climbing with me. His, um, his feet, for his prosthetic, you know, lower limbs were essentially cramp on feet mm -hmm. that could dig into the ice. And he had a hand that was formed much like 
a ice axe handle or or head, if you will. So his arm became the handle and his hand became the head of the axe where he could dig in. And then we created an adaptation of the rope system to enable him to, to increase his mobility up the ice. Uh, and it was phenomenal to observe what the instructors from Paradox were able to do, uh, what this individual was willing to do, um, and come out there and experience the sport of ice climbing and be very successful doing it. Now, that wouldn't be Tim Brown, would it? You got it. Yeah. <laughs> Tim Brown, uh, you know, from Move United. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will tell you what, you know, that being my first exposure to higher ground programming, to Paradox Sports and their capabilities, and then seeing an individual uh, with as much resiliency as Tim Brown to come out there knowing we were ice climbing, to think through with his prosthetic team what devices might work best and bring in, you know, with with what I call his Sherpa, but Jamie, who carried in, you know, Pelican cases worth of prosthetic devices to figure this out. You know, at, at one point, you know, Tim was on my back just because the snow is so deep to get to the crag or the face of the ice wall. Uh, and then coming out because we had made a, a path through there, Tim's like, hey, I, I'm going to walk out of here on my own. Um, so the amount of energy exerted, but the amount of just desire to succeed in a sport that's as challenging and technical that Tim decided to take on, man, it, it blew my mind. And mm-hmm. I was so inspired that day. And I thought about all of those that that I knew in my units that had lost limb or now have, you know, these perceived physical limitations. And here I am ice climbing with a guy that has these same perceived limitations that's making it happen because he wanted to experience the sport of ice climbing. So it can be done. Yeah. Give Tim any challenge and he'll, he'll, he'll want to conquer it. That's for sure. Yep. And and you mentioned obviously um, that people just have this um, fear or trepidation, you know, perhaps uh, to want to try the sport. Um, what what do you need in order to, to participate? You know, to like to join uh, you or or the team at Paradox or or, even, or higher ground, obviously. Um, I, I imagine you know most of the equipment's provided, you know, from a programmatic programmatic level. So uh, as opposed to maybe some sports where you need your own you know, thousands of dollars of, 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 uh, adaptive sports equipment, you may just need, uh, you know, winter, you know, proper winter clothing. What, what, tell me, tell me a little bit about what, what might be needed for anybody to, to just want to go out and try the sport. Sure. Well, you know, our goal at higher ground is to remove barriers, mm-hmm. you know, so we do provide the equipment or we work very closely with our partners, uh, to supply the equipment so you can experience it. And then from there, when you finish a higher ground program, Uh, We try to help you out um, when it comes to if you want to pursue that sport, we we oftentimes provide uh, the means towards purchasing equipment or preparing yourself with what you might need to be successful. That's just part of what we do at the conclusion of one of our programs. If you want to pursue it, we want you to have the the tools and the means to pursue it. Um, But you're right. it, It takes really good cold weather equipment. Um, so clothing, gloves, um, you've got to keep your hands and extremities warm. So a really good pair of mountaineering boots 
that accept crampons. Not mm. every pair of boots is designed to accept crampons. Mm. Uh, and you can get upwards of 400 to, you know, a thousand dollars if you're going very technical with, you know, mountaineering style boots. Uh, so it is an expensive sport. Each ice axe is probably 90 to $150, depending on, you know, the type of metal they're made from or carbon fiber or what have you. Uh, so it can be expensive. And then you've got the ropes that are involved. Um, you've got the ice screws that are involved. So it can quickly add up to be an expensive endeavor. Yeah, that's good to know. I mean, obviously, yeah, just to have the proper winter clothing and, and uh, cold weather gear uh, can add up pretty quickly. Too. Yeah, as you absolutely. Mentioned. And and so once uh, you know, take us through um, you know, the the kind of just being able someone someone being able to go up for the first time, like. Uh, you mentioned obviously that there's a there's a belay and belay system uh, for those that you know may not have are familiar with that. There's a you know there's you can you can look that up. But um, you know like let's say I'm coming out with you for the first time ever, um, and and we're at the we're at the base of the of the ice. Uh, where, where do we go from there? So we typically conduct what we call ground school first. Mm-hmm. You know we go over all of the equipment. Uh, much of it we go back over, you know, wherever the lodging is for that program, where everybody's warm and comfortable. <laughs> and we teach them how to put on their climbing harness, make sure their boots are sized right. I mean, last thing you want is for your toes to be jammed into a pair of boots that are too small um, and your feet are going to be cold. Uh, so if you're already miserable before you even start, there's a good chance you won't even get started. So we go over clothing requirements, equipment, how it all works. We make sure we teach everyone how to size their crampons right. Uh, And then, you know, how you utilize the ice axes. Um, You know, most people think you need to gorilla grip it and really swing it like you're pounding a sledgehammer, but you really don't. Those things are extremely sharp and you need to just trust in them and you need to feel what it's like. So oftentimes we'll take them to a spot away from the climbing area and allow them to just feel the head of that ice axe sink into ice and understand it doesn't take a tremendous swing to put the ice in oftentimes. Um, And then we also initially, you know, when they're beginners, teach them to look for pockets in the ice. You know, if it's not fresh ice, maybe climbers have been there previously uh, there are often pockets you can utilize in order to build confidence so that the, the tool will sink in a little easier. The ice may not be as hard um, and you can just kind of dig it into a pocket and use that as a hold. So we oftentimes teach them a foot or two off the ground how to sink it in and then use it and hang off of it and demonstrate that you can hold your body weight mm-hmm. with this thing stuck into into the ice. Um, so again, that's ground school. Uh, and during ground school, we show them, you know, pretty technical rope systems that are being designed. We don't expect them to grasp it and be able to tie them. That's what the, you know, the pros are there for, uh, the climbing guides. Um, but we want them to, to know that this is what goes into this sport in order to make it safe for you. Uh, and then oftentimes, one of the guides will demonstrate a climb and technique and they'll go up and then, you know, they'll, they'll typically, you know, free climb it uh, and then set a lane as they're doing it and just demonstrate the level of confidence that they've built uh, in order to get to that level of being a, a climbing guide. 
Um, so all of that is ground school. And then, you know, they, they start to understand that it's their turn. And sometimes people are really eager to, to get on the ice wall and try it out. And sometimes people just want to hang back, watch, observe, take it in some more mm -hmm. uh, and build confidence and courage. And that's okay too. Right. So the higher ground team likes to, you know, say challenge by choice. And if mm -hmm. it takes you a little bit longer to build the courage to, to climb an ice wall with these tools uh, in freezing cold conditions, no problem. But, but I often tell them that when they stand around too much, they'll get cold. When they put their body in motion, uh, they'll be surprised at how quickly they warm up when they start climbing uh, because you're using every ounce of energy and all of these little stability muscles, you know, that you might not have exercised in a long time. Your calf muscles will start screaming at you if you stand too long, you know, against the ice mm -hmm. and you're trying to figure out your next move or you're just trying to take a break. So you'll feel your calves burning potentially, you know, with your toes in an upward pitch and your calves flexed and your heels down, you quickly feel a burn. And then same thing with your forearm. If you're gorilla gripping the ice axes, mm -hmm. you know, the amount of stress and pressure you're putting on the muscles in your forearm can quickly become taxing. So you're exerting all kinds of energy. You'll start sweating, you're nervous, but you'll get warm. So <laughs> if warmth is what you're after, I tell people, get active, get on the wall and let's start climbing. And, um, and so if, if uh, and obviously, uh, there's at least one, there's a one person typically that's on belay, right. That's again, taking in the slack and, and, um, making sure that the, the climbers tight, if they do slip and fall, they're not going very far. Right. Um, are those typically trained, the part of the guides or those typically trained folks they are not necessarily participants often, right? On the first few days, it's the trained guides, the professionals. And then as they see a level of aptitude and comfort, they will demonstrate how to do it. Uh, and if you've shown confidence or maybe you come from a military background where climbing was part of your activities like mine in, in Marine Reconnaissance and Special Operations, uh, they will assess that and then they'll stand next to you, let you belay, demonstrate you've got the ability to do it safely, properly. And then sometimes participants will become part of the belay support team. Okay. And what's the typical like height that people get up to? I mean, is there, I mean, obviously it depends on the location and the, and the uh, ice formation and all that good stuff. But typically what, what are the, if, if, if people are afraid of heights, how do you yeah. overcome that? <laughs> Some people, you know, as far as they want to go is 10 to 15 feet off the ground. Uh, and that's okay. That's great. They made it 10 or 15 feet. That's progress. They challenge themselves to their comfort level. Some people are going to go 90, 120, 150 feet up uh, and, and look for the next pitch. So it depends on the individual. Uh, some of it is their, um, their athletic ability. Mm -hmm. uh, and some of it is their confidence level. Some people do come out and they've had perhaps exposure to ice climbing before, but that's pretty rare. But some have been rock climbers or, you know, gym climbers. Mm -hmm. um, so, and some people are just uh, adventurous and they just get after it. <laughs> uh, and it's fascinating to watch the amount of, of courage that they display and just attacking the wall. Uh, so every single person is different. And for some, just being out there 
in the cold might be enough for them. Um, yeah. And and if that's as far as they want to challenge themselves in at that moment, that's great. At least they're outside. At least they're surrounded by peers and they're seeing other people succeed. And, and that in and of itself may push them another day to, to push themselves further. Yeah. And so Vaughn, what have I not asked you about that you want to make sure um, we, we, we share and con- uh, convey to others about the, about the activity in sport of ice climbing? Uh, it's a lot of fun. Um, you know, people sometimes, you know, when I tell them what I've been doing, you know, taking military veterans and, and first responders out ice climbing, uh, they think I'm crazy. Um, and, and I, I just tell them, look, it's a lot of fun, but it's rooted in trust. Uh, I've done a lot of crazy things in my life. You know, the Marine Corps was jam packed with crazy things. Uh, and I learned to appreciate it. I learned to appreciate equipment and trusting equipment and trusting others. Um, so, uh, when you can get to that point of trusting equipment and others, you can experience whole new levels of, of fun and excitement and exhilaration in your life, uh, and continue to push yourself forward. So, uh, the sport of ice climbing to me, uh, I appreciate opportunities to be cold, perhaps tired, wet, miserable. Uh, it really gives me a sense of, of being alive. Uh, and, and, you know, my, my Marine Corps career was, was definitely full of all those things. I was cold, wet, miserable, uh, and tired many, many times. Uh, and I look back on those times with fondness and, uh, and appreciate them for everything they brought to me and, and that sense of finding comfort in being uncomfortable. Yeah. And I would be remiss without asking you, obviously, to share a little bit about how people could connect with higher ground. So uh, share your website and any other information you want to share. Yeah. Highergroundusa.org. Uh, we post our week-long programs there. Right now we're running uh, about 28 week-long programs for veterans and first responders annually. Uh, again, and it, it is a whole range of programming from fishing programs, kayaking programs, uh, rafting programs, snow sports, you know, snowboarding, skiing, uh, scuba diving. I mean, we we run the gamut. We have equestrian programs. And this year we've recently launched a, a hunting program that we're looking to build out for military veterans that, that want to be in the wilderness uh, and experience uh, the challenges of, of the hunt. So uh, again, we continuing to push ourselves as staff and continuing to be creative and people can see this on our social channels. Uh, you know, we're on them all. Um, but if you want to see what's available and how to connect with us and how to apply, you can do that right at the website. Again, higher ground, USA.org. 